Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Duke of Sin by Elizabeth Hoyt. This was published in 2016 and is the 10th book in the Maiden Lane series. We're almost done, guys. And yes, we're talking about Valentine today. <laughs> Lane has been, like, I don't know, I've talked about him. Not in great detail, but I've, like, let slip a few things here and there. And I have to say, I don't think Lane was prepared. I was not. <laughs> I was, I think when you hear there's like a kind of evil romance novel hero who's engaged with like really gray veering on black morality, Mm -hmm. you expect no care for the working classes. You expect a dilettante who doesn't take responsibility seriously and lets estates fall into disrepair. Mm-hmm. You expect like the guy hiding behind his mom's skirts who's not coming into his own. <laughs> the guy who gets drunk and doesn't go to balls. That is none of those. None of those are what's going on with Val. And ultimately, I <laughs> had a lot of issues with this book and there are a lot of things we'll talk about that I, I don't necessarily think this was good or these were characters of Elizabeth Hoyt's that I was going to root for, but it, it veered so quickly into the absurd mm-hmm. that I was able to have like sinister fun with it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's read the book jacket. Devastatingly handsome, vain, unscrupulous. Valentine Napier, the Duke of Montgomery, is the man London whispers about in boudoirs and back alleys. A notorious rake and blackmailer, Montgomery has returned from exile, intent on seeking revenge on those who have wronged him. But of what he finds in his own bedroom may lay waste to all his plans. A woman of honor. Born a bastard, housekeeper Bridget Crumb is clever, bold, and fiercely loyal. When her aristocratic mother becomes the target of extortion, Bridget joins the Duke of Montgomery's household to search for the incriminating evidence and uncovers something far more dangerous. A secret that threatens to destroy them both. Astonished by the deceptively prim and surprisingly witty domestic spy in his chambers, Montgomery is intrigued. And try as she might, Bridget can't resist the slyly charming Duke. Now, as the two begin their treacherous game of cat and mouse, they soon realize that they both have secrets, and neither may be as nefarious or as innocent as they appear. This um, book jacket is not very good. It is hilariously inadequate. (laughs) I mean, okay, look. Yes, he's this, like, notorious guy, and they do mention that he's a blackmailer. Yes. She's in his household as a spy, but they don't get into, like, how dark this book gets. Ultimately, there isn't much of a conflict here. (laughs) There's just a series of increasingly horrific events. Yeah, I guess. In the course of... Val's, like, blackmailing plans. Right. So I, I 
to be fair, I don't know how you construct a book jacket when the narrative isn't necessarily cohesive. Yeah, I, to me, the one thing that was missing was the the Lords of Chaos. I feel like they should have been mentioned. They were introduced in the last book, one of my favorites, Sweetest Scoundrel, where we we learn that Eve and her brother, Valentine, were the victims of their father, uh, who ran the Lords of Chaos, which is basically a group of people who do horrific things with, you know, sex rituals and stuff like that, right? And they're not mentioned in the book jacket. I think it should at least have been mentioned, like a shadowy group of called the Lords of Chaos, draws, you know what I mean? Anyway, in my opinion. Even that would not have encompassed the fully nude murdering and ritualistic cat death <laughs> performed by a child. I mean, Meg, there's, there is no adequate way to summarize sur- this book. Okay, well, do you think that we did any better with our random number summary, Lane? I don't know, but this episode, the random number was 20. And so we both wrote a 20-word summary. Meg, do you want to start? Sure. Settle in for the super romantic love story of a lovely lady and the amoral sociopath. Psychopath? She works for. I think you give Bridget too much credit. (laughs) She was also extremely broken. I have to tell you, never before have I looked up, what's the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath for one of these? About a hero in a romance novel? Well, about a hero, but also for one of my summaries. Yeah. I'm still a little confused about which one uh, Val is, I'm going to be honest. Both. (laughs) (laughs) Putting it out there. What's Uh, your 20-word summary like? Valentine Napier would really benefit from therapy. Like a lot of therapy. Maybe court-ordered therapy? Because he kills things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I, I'm going to try to do this episode spoiler-free. But again, there... <clears throat> but again, there isn't really a plot arc. I mean, okay, I, I honestly think we're going to go through the tropes, and then I really, truly think that once we get to quality, we're going to kind of go sinistry, which is which means we're going to spoil the book. This book came out in 2016, and it's one of the most well-known of the Maiden Lanes. So I'm going to be honest, I, I don't think we have to try really hard to keep it spoiler-free, but I, guys, I just want you guys to know, I, I don't think we can. Let me off the leash then. That's fine. Because I got a lot of things to say. Yeah. No, I think we should. Okay. But let's do the trope so you guys know what you can expect in the book. And then um, we're going to just go for it. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what Valentine would do, I think. Do you think Valentine would care about spoilers? He would spoil everyone. He wouldn't put a spoiler tag. Yeah. And if he's your moral compass, we got things to talk about. (laughs) All right. Tropes. I think the big one is... He's an aristocrat, and she's the woman who works for him. As the yeah. book jacket said, she's she sought out this job deliberately for a spot of blackmail, but she sort of intends to keep working for him if she can once that's resolved. Like, she, at the beginning of the book, she is very much a housekeeper by profession, and that is sincere. Yes. And mm-hmm. she is currently his housekeeper. Yes. She actually was introduced in um, 
Godric's book, Godric and Meg's. Which she the was... worst POV chapters that have ever POV'd. I know. No, but she wasn't a POV in that in that one. She just was the extremely competent housekeeper. Oh, got it. And then in the background, there are a few books that you, you, you learn that she's been stolen away. She works for Val. And then in the last book, Sweetest Scoundrel, we have some Bridget chapters, which are... Meh. Okay. Um, and also, please do not uh, confuse this for a Cinderella story, because it is not. Just saying. When there is a Cinderella story, the end is the princess fully decked out in the princess finery being accepted in society. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this book, Bridget is naked. She is. She's naked. And in another country. So It's true. Uh, Okay, she is illegitimate, as the book jacket says. So she was, she, she could have been raised in a much better milieu than she was. But she is uh, in service now. So I guess I just said it's not a Cinderella story. There are elements of the Cinderella story, but it's like twisted. And I would talk about the daddy issues inherent in Bridget's life, like not knowing her birth father. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the reason her birth mother justifies giving her away and not raising her among the ton, even with another family, is because of how abusive her husband and the father of her household was, mm-hmm. um, but they all pale in comparison to Val's father so much that we'll save the discussion of daddy issues for him. Oh, let's just say there are a lot of daddy issues in this book. Oh my God. <sighs> okay. There's an evil secret society, the Lords of Chaos. And I Is think this a trope lane. Yeah. Okay. Like maybe secret society is a strong word, but the secret gaming hell where the real de- or the club where the real decisions happen and you find out they're not actually they're legitimate, but you think they're there to play cards and instead something really sinister is happening behind the scenes. Like, I right. think there are the idea that men in positions of power are using the trappings of legitimacy to do really fucked up shit. Right. Is a trope. Yeah, that's true. I don't know where to begin with Val's daddy issues. So let's just say he has them. They're and they're going to obviously make up a huge part of the rest of the episode. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they go beyond trope. <laughs> so far beyond right? trope. I mean, the tropey parts are the, he has a perceived defect, defect being left-handed. You've seen it with dyslexia. You've seen it with being late to speech. And his father, he is his father's only heir. And so his father is very shamed by having an heir who is not competent in his perception. Mm-hmm. And so in order to like convey his shame of his child, he neglects him and abuses him, especially when said defect being left-handed in this case appears. But the lengths it is taken to are just... Mm-hmm. Oof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bridget takes in a stray animal and she's encouraged by Val, which I thought was an interesting choice considering his history. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's it's like one, you have the animals can tell who's good people, gravitates mm-hmm. toward Bridget, gravitates mm-hmm. toward Val. You have the she in a life of service has always really wanted this thing. Right. But servants don't get to have dogs. Mm-hmm. And Val breaks convention by letting her do it. Right. Um, so there's a lot of symbolism in this dog other than it just like being cute. Right. But again, even the way Bridget comes into possession of the dog is she finds a group of street youths abusing the shit out of it. Well, I mean, she's been feeding the stray dog. So she has a little relationship with it. The moment that Val says you can keep him is because he's being literally kicked. Right. And beaten by children. Right. Right. And that is so tame in comparison to the other violence that happens in this book that I forgot about it until this moment. (laughs) Uh, There is secret goodbye sex. But the worst kind is bad. So she has done something that she just knows, like, he will never forgive her for. So, and he knows she's pissed and he's doing something that she views as unforgivable. So he's shocked when she shows up and starts stripping. Mm-hmm. And then she gives him the blowjob of all feelings. It was really uncomfortable. The feelings, beach. <laughs> the feeling beach when he's going to murder her brother. It's like, <laughs> just a whole other level. It's, it's, I mean, everything's on a different level in this book. (laughs) Everything, everything, literally everything is on a different level in this book. Especially when, like, we will end the episode with this, but what you're supposed to take away as the moral of the story and what the characters learn is really fucked up. It's pretty interesting, right? Like, Val learns that of the five murders we know he's committed, Four of them were justified and good. I have to think about this because I don't remember. We're going to, we'll go over them. Okay. That concludes the spoiler free portion of this story of this episode. I should say. (laughs) Halfway spoiler free. Was that spoiler free? Fuck your rules, father. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler. Oh my god. Okay, we're starting about the book, uh, starting to talk about it. If you want to, like, read it and then come back, please feel free. Um, Happy reading! So let's talk about this book. Um, I don't don't think any of the previous books in this series prepared you for, like, how evil Val really is. Yeah, like, you know, he's kidnapping women to force them to do things like marry against their will in earlier texts and that he's blackmailing people and blackmailing good people. Mm -hmm. But you also get Eve's perspective where he saved her from, you know, a terrible fate. Right. And has been supporting her for all these years. And she does feel that he loves her and she loves him. Yes. He's also served in previous books. He's also served a little bit as comic relief. And not as like this dangerous, sexy guy. Yes. I don't know how to encapsulate the character we got. So I'm just going to describe stuff he does. Okay. He refuses to wear clothes, even amongst his servants. Mm -hmm. He brings women 
likely sex workers into his house just to make his staff be uncomfortable. Like it's Mm -hmm. a way of showing power over them. Right. That he can force them to engage with him when he's naked and has sex workers in bed with him. Mm -hmm. Um, He just refuses to wear clothes in certain situations that like normal people would. So this is like the second time we've talked about the nakedness lane. (laughs) It just made a mark, obviously. It's all a power play. It is. That's just it. It's he clearly fires and abuses staff on a whim. He keeps the footman his mother seduced when the footman was a child and sexually groomed on staff just to use as a human punching bag? I guess. I mean, this, I'm going to be honest, that when I read this book the first time, that moment, so he kills this guy, that's the moment when I realized, oh, she's going like full villain with, with Val. Yeah, he is stark naked with golden knives in his hands and he just hacks this dude to pieces in front of Bridget. And then he kisses her. Yes. And, and that's she, their first kiss. Yeah, that's their first kiss. And she was like, that's also when I was like, okay, Bridget is also fucked up. Well, and literally like the next chapter is when she's like, oh God, I'm falling in love with him. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm sorry, what? So in this reading, he also does some other really weird shit that like when you're reading the book, I don't know, when you're in Elizabeth Hoyt's world, you don't really realize how weird this shit is. But like Oh, I don't think I got lost in it at all here. Okay, well what about the part where she's like she's like crying because they're torturing the dog and then he licks her face? He licks yes, the tear. No, I, it was extremely weird. And he was like uh, what did he says and he's like these tears taste like righteousness or something. <laughs> he's a total psychopath sociopath he that is. is it in a nutshell and he just he doesn't care about other people he forces her to confront stuff about her birth family before she's wed- ready and then declares that he's fucking her to her family so her brother challenges him to a duel uh-huh it's he kidnaps Sipolita royal and like keeps her in prison for like a week yeah and then knows Bridget's going to try to help her escape, so he sets the dogs on them. Yeah. And then he kidnaps Bridget. It's And then still is trying to kidnap Tipolita. <laughs> but it's the moment when he kills Cal that I was like, oh, 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 this isn't... Because, like, all the other stuff... Okay, I again, maybe I'm just, like, too deep in historical romance sometimes but I was like all the other stuff you could almost forgive like you could be like oh he's a duke and he's like trying to show his power and blah 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 and he's being an asshole but like the moment it was I knew it was different was before he kills Cal so Mm -hmm. he kills Cal because he finds out Cal tried to poison him Mm -hmm. and while during the heart comfort Bridget is caring for him sequence when he's delirious he starts murmuring about the way his dad abused him. Right. And the fact that his dad would like buy him kittens just to murder them in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he finally knew he'd mastered his father when he murdered the cat himself. He murdered the cat before his father could kill it. Yeah. And they all have names. And they tell stories. And then he's like, yeah, it wasn't just the four of them. He did it like all the time. He just kept murdering cats in front of me. There was more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously fucked up, right? Yeah, that's when I was like, 
This is when the end of the story of the dad murdering cats in front of him was then. So I murdered the cat before you get to me and hung it on the wall above where I was working. So my dad would see it. I was like, oh, we're out of my depth. <laughs> You're out of depth. <laughs> she also gets a lot more graphic, not about the sex in this book than she mm-hmm. has in previous books in the series. Right. Like, you know, from Eve's book that she was sexually assaulted at one of these Lords of Chaos parties. And we will get to Val and the Lords of Chaos in just a second here. Yeah. But in this book, the way Val remembers it is like very graphic, like yep. more graphic than Eve's recollections of it. Yeah. More, more graphic than her recollection for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. So it's not just how messed up Val is. It's also like the way things are presented on the page are way more brutal and gruesome than anything in this series has been up to this point. Oh, absolutely. I I agree with you on that. I will say, so he also dresses like a major fop. I honestly imagine the Goblin King from the Labyrinth. Like Mm -hmm. that is Val. And like evil. Yes. Like that. So, like, I actually think it's a very good comparison. Yeah. But maybe not a mullet. No, like, like Leo Vinci from She crossed with David Bowie from <laughs> Labyrinth. Like, okay, the yeah. Adonis-level beauty mixed right. with the absurdity. Yes, yes. But also, like, the same, to me, anyway, the same, like, body shape, like, slim and, like, yeah, lace everywhere. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there obviously I have issues with Val, right? Because like he's not really a romance hero. And like we're not looking at excuse me, he's not my kind of romance hero. Let me I'll just say that. And um, I will say the other thing I have the other thing I have issues with is how quickly Bridget falls for him. Because it it moves very fast, right? From totally she, agree. Like she's thinking he's a total asshole, and then he get he gets poisoned, and she falls in love with him because she understands like how his father tortured him, and that's why he's being an asshole. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not. I feel like that's a way for you to understand a person, but not for you to be like, oh, I love this person because they were tortured as a child and turned into a sociopath. Well, not only that, she even says, like, I know he's causing all this harm and wreaking all this havoc out of a misguided way of showing his love. And isn't that sweet? And it's like, no, "No, sweetheart, he should be in jail. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't romanticize. You understand. You you see life through someone else's perspective. And then you get that person put in prison. Right. Or you get them help. You know, she's not there's no she does nothing to help him. No, she just is kind of charmed by his ambiguity in a way that no one sane would be. His amorality. Yeah. I mean, he truly is amoral because he truly does not understand the difference between good and bad. Yeah. And to give Elizabeth Hoyt credit, I think she does a good job of explaining why he is that way. Because, again, he's like the way he was abused as a child and the way he grew up and the way he needs to survive was Mm -hmm. basically by turning off all emotions. He also has been rejecting all of the rules, like any rule ever from society because of how his father treated him. And so... On the one hand, saying, fuck these rules, 
is very liberating. Yeah, but I think there's too much schadenfreude in him. Yeah. To truly be amoral. Like, he derives pleasure in other people being upset. He likes, what do they call it? Epater la bourgeoisie? He likes mm-hmm. to, you know, cause scandals and just, like, Right, so he the knows pot. that he's doing things that upset people, and that, that makes he's him doing, happy. He knows that he's doing things to upset people. He has a very difficult time understanding. So, like, one of the big things that happens in this book is he murders people, and some of them, Bridget is like, well, that was, those were justified, right? This was a justified murder. Like, one was in self, it wasn't self-defense, but he was defending her, which... Mm. I mean, I would say yes. Like, if a different romance hero did that, I would be okay with that. Right. Like, uh, Winter does that when he's protecting Isabel. Yeah. In their book. And I was like, well, yeah, he's not, he knows the difference between right and wrong. Right. Right. The thing is, at the end, he's like, I'm so sorry that I killed those people. And she's like, you don't have to apologize for killing the person who was going to kill me. And Val's like, but I thought killing people was wrong. And that's what you've been telling me this whole time. And she's like, She's like, that's not what I've been trying to tell you this whole time. Like, I've been trying to tell you that, like, there's, there, you should treat people the way you want me to be treated. So he, he, I think this, the, the moment of, like, he doesn't understand feelings. The, the way I love you happens in this book was so dumb. I screamed. Mm Mm-hmm. Screamed. (laughs) I didn't scream, but. And the thing is, like. She Elizabeth Hoyt does this thing where when Val wants to do something that is not evil, he does something that's like still evil, but slightly less evil than the other evil thing. So example, he has a little boy in his service. What, how old is he? 15, maybe 16, 16. So there's a 16 year old who's working as his assistant valet who is the son of a Turkish nobleman. And the reason he's working there is because Val bought him basically as a slave. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the reason he bought him was because someone else was going to cut off his balls and make him a eunuch. And Val, I guess, felt kind of bad about that. And Bridget's like, oh, see, he did this terrible thing. He enslaved a, a little boy and is forcing him to work for him, but he did it for a good reason. Right, but what Val tells Bridget is that he bought him to sexually abuse him. In the beginning, yeah, but then that's a joke. Ha 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 ha. But he knows that's wrong. He knows it's going to piss Bridget off. No, he knows it's wrong to sexually abuse people. That's true, that's the one thing he doesn't like. Rapists and rape. So my, and this is where the Lords of Chaos part come in. Uh So... Val's dad, in addition to abusing the shit out of his children, was the leader of this evil society that, as far as we can tell, just meets to kidnap and sexually abuse people. Yeah. And so Val has been getting pressured from the guy who took over after he murdered his father. Yep. To join and take his rightful place as the next leader. And... Val is like, I'm disgusted by them. I will never participate in the rape of murder of children, but I do plan to join them just to blackmail them. He's like, I want to join it. I want to join and lead this organization because that will protect me. And Bridget's like, 
you want to rape kids. And he's like, no, that's disgusting. She's like, you're just as bad if you're participating in it. And he doesn't see how. And I'm like, you're going to be throwing the sex parties at your house where the children and women are kidnapped and brought there to be raped. And you're going to preside over it. But that's okay. As long as you're not the one sticking your dick in it. Well, he obviously has not thought this through because he knows what the initiation is all about. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's get this initiation over with. And then he's like, oh, wait, I have to rape and murder the one person that I love. One of the two. The right. first second one is supposed to be one. And then it's the other. It was just absolutely batshit. And the moments that they make out in this book make no sense. They are like height of trauma. Oh, yeah. Totally. I don't even know that I can put it because it's it's not as funny as a sinister no. due to the actual trauma running rampant through these books. But it is so absurd that I did not get too lost in the like traumas and the trauma situations. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out that. So basically, this is something that's talked about a lot in uh, you know, other discussions of romance. It's not a hero that we like very much. This is a morality chain romance where basically the only thing that makes the hero act morally is his connection with the heroine. Like this is the definition of morality chain because the only person he's like, Bridget, is this good or is this bad? Should I do this or should I not do this? So the only reason he doesn't do bad things is because Bridget doesn't think that they're good and he doesn't want to make Bridget sad. Like one time he was, she was doesn't like, doesn't this sound so romantic? She was like, you should treat your servants better. You should like say please and thank you. And he's like, why would I do that? I pay them money. I pay them money so that they do what I tell them to do. Why does it matter if I'm nice about it? And she's like, how would you like it if someone treated you that way? He was like, I just kill him. And he's like, she's like, oh, how would you feel like if someone treated me that way? And he's like, oh, guess you're right. It was a very weird book. I mean, I'm just saying morality chain heroes are their staple of certain genres. Um, especially, I think, paranormal romance. But... They exist in all romances, and I know some people really love them. Uh, and so if you love a morality chain hero or, or a morality chain romance, this one, it like, literally is the definition of what that is. To get a little bit things that bothered me if this had been anywhere near a real book and not just an insane character study, um, I thought Val was too unhinged mm -hmm. to be the leader of any sort of organization and i don't mean the lords of chaos i mean like he's got this network of spies that get him the blackmail material he knows exactly when to push and when to pull back he has been very strategic in his investments the character i saw on the page was not together enough to manage that mm -hmm. he was reactionary vitrolic like absolutely was did not have the patience or the foresight to run the type of enterprises Val has in the previous books. Right. That's it. <laughs> I, I I don't even know where to start. Again, the number of really fucked up things that happen in this book that Bridget just hand waves away 
And I felt like I like I, I'm not articulate about this. This was fully nuts. Val needs mental help. He is a sick, sick man. <laughs> like, you know how the joke of our generation is in your 20s, like green flags are really benign stuff. And in your 30s, green flags are he goes to therapy. Right. Like, I'm not kidding. Val is unwell. And I honestly worry about Bridget being attracted to him. Yeah. Okay, I am going to tell you. So this this book did not make me laugh. Val was not comic relief in this book. There were like two or three places that I did think he was funny. So like there's one where Eve shows up and he's like, Eve, I can't believe you're wearing yellow. Yes. <laughs> and Asa is like, but she's beautiful. And he's like, oh my God, he must be in love because she looks terrible in yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so I really liked that. Also, obviously Eve and Asa show up and I love them. So that helped. Yeah. And the other part where I laughed and I thought it was really funny was he shows up for this duel that he is provoked by telling Lazarus, a uh, hero of book number one, if you remember, Lazarus Lord Care, that he's been sleeping with his baby sister, who Lazarus didn't even know existed, shows up to the duel and he's like, can we make this quick? I left your sister in bed. And I thought it was so funny. Um, that brings to mind another trope. Upon seeing Bridget's hair for the first time, which is jet black with a streak of like white gray in it, mm -hmm. based on that gray hair, he knows exactly whose child she is. That's right. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> like, it's the dumbest version of identifying family hereditary trait that I have seen. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I did, anyway, I did think those parts were funny. They I were. Feel like I I, yeah, I feel like I need to point them out because Elizabeth Hoyt just isn't. She's she writes these like super dark books, but once in a while she'll write this thing where I'm like, oh, that was really funny. <laughs> I don't think I left your sister in bed was supposed to be funny. Oh, I thought it was. I laughed. I laughed really hard. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be provoking, and it did not work. <laughs> and it was funny. Uh, I thought it was funny. Um, content warnings. I don't think we have to enumerate them. We just talked about them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how sexy was this book? They make out right after he murdered someone. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't, I finished that, this book this weekend. And to be honest with you, I do not have any real memory of the sex scenes because everything else is so seared into my brain. Yeah. So I read it today. I read the second half today, which is when all the sex takes place. And the first time they have sex, she has just helped Hippolyta Royal to escape. He catches Bridget and brings her back. And then he, he has her take a bath in front of him. So he's fully dressed. She's in the bath. And then, like, he's super tuned on by her. I have to admit, I thought this was pretty sexy. Not the kidnapping part, but, like, the scene itself where she's in the bath, he's fully dressed, and, like, she looks over and he's just, like, prodding himself through his clothes because he can't resist her. I thought that was hot. In a vacuum, maybe? <laughs> In context, yes. No, thank um, you. 
Yeah. And then they like have sex at his uh, torture mansion, torture castle for a while. And then they go back to his house. And then there's the secret goodbye sex where it's very, oh, they have this weird sex. Oh my God. They have this weird sex where they're like having sex and they, they are playing like a word association game. Where they're like, like he'll say evil and she'll say good. So it's like, you know, they're, they're doing the antonym thing. They're doing the opposite, playing the opposite game as they have sex. Death, life. And then at the end, he says Bridget and she says Valentine. <laughs> Although he may say Seraphine because he calls her Seraphine all the time, which. Weird. I mean, to be fair, he didn't know what her first name was. She didn't tell him what it was, so he made one up. It's then still when he weird. Finds out what it is, he decides it's stupid. Well, yes. Then he's like, "Your name is Bridget. Bridget. Bridget is the worst name." And I was like, "God damn you! Like, fuck you, Valentine. Fuck you." I did not understand on any level what was appealing or sexy about Valentine. Even when he was being sexy, I was worried he was about to snap. Yeah. I think if you made this into a movie, it would be a thriller where you expected everyone to die in the end. Right, right, right. And they, I mean, if you made it into a movie, they would have to die. Or, you know, it would be like a super ambiguous ending where he saves her from the altar in the end. But then they get in the carriage and the end would be like the graduate where the carriage starts going and they look at each other like, oh, what do we do now? And, you know, they're both naked. <laughs> He's got a mask on. <laughs> I'm imagining the end of the graduate now with them like that. That's what the end would be. I, fi- I found it. Done. His book was weird. Mm-hmm. His book was weird. Look, I understand a lot of people are really into Valentine. They, like, really, really like this. It's just just not our cup of tea, you know? This kind of hero is never going to be our favorite, ever. So, but it's pretty batshit. There are several on-page murders. Yeah. By the hero. Mm Mm-hmm. Do with that what you will. Yeah, yeah, just be aware. All right. We're going to finish this series, you guys. It's going to happen. We're doing it. We got two two books, two novels, and two novellas left. We're going to do it. We're going to do it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet, wherever you find plot trysts, especially Instagram, Goodreads, and WordPress. <laughs>